Hi, welcome to the Stories Through the Camera podcast. My name is Chris Butel. I'm a filmmaker based in Sydney, Australia. And in this podcast series, I'm going to be sitting down with filmmakers, photographers, and storytellers of all kinds, chatting to them about their creative process and the different projects that they have going on. There's a lot of amazing work being made right now from independent artists all around the world. The goal of this podcast series is to raise awareness about these artists and build a community of people who are interested in connecting with their work. In short, chatting about cool stuff, learning from creative people, and celebrating independent films. In the very first episode of this podcast, I'm sitting down with Hannah and Kane, two directors of an independent feature film called For Now. This is Stories Through the Camera. Welcome to the Stories Through the Camera podcast. My name is Chris, and on today's episode, we have two directors of a new independent feature film called For Now. Uh, guys, I'll get you to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Hannah Barlow. I'm Kane Sennis. And uh, how's it been going, guys? Good. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. Such a vague answer. Yeah. Um, great. Yeah, we finished the film. We screened it um, in the States a few times, and we just screened it for the first time at For Film's Sake in Sydney. Which is a female-centric film festival. Yeah, so um, I was kind of, I was the interloper. I was riding in on Hannah's hotels. <laughs> yeah. That was fine with me. Uh, yeah, and uh, that wonderful group of women. So uh, FFS used to be um, Women of the World, and it, it's now run, I, it's run by WIFT, the Women of WIFT, Sophie Matheson, and all those lovely ladies. And so we got to um, screen for now for the first time in Australia on the big screen at event cinemas on George Street, and that was like a real treat. Yeah, yeah, it was great, it was great. So it did. It was. I don't think we'll ever play on a screen that big ever again. Yeah, it was. It was like one of those big VMAX screens yeah. as well. It wasn't just it was a cinema screen. Huge. I'm like, this is a micro budget kind of mumblecore film on a VMAX <laughs> screen. We were sitting on the. We were at the very back of the theater, and um, my friend had given us a bottle of vodka, and we were sitting on top of the chairs, swigging the vodka. It was kind of like I wanted to grab a drink before kind of going in just to ease to relax. my slight nerves. I don't, may or may not have had and, and uh, I was like we, we we didn't have time to grab a drink because we were handing out our tickets to friends up to the last moment yeah yeah and then it had kind of already started and we ran in and I was like well we've got this bottle of vodka so we're <laughs> laughing <laughs> <Anyway. Jesus>. yeah <laughs> so I guess taking a step back um I know it's hard to always summarize your films but could you give for those of people who haven't seen the film just like a little bit of a logline or a pitch of what the vibe is of this film? Um, so the film is about four 20-somethings who are different ages but still in their 20s. Um, and they go on a road trip up the Californian coastline, the Pacific Coast Highway, from LA to San Francisco via Yosemite. And um, other than that, it's basically about uh, – it's hard to um, delineate between like Hannah, the character and myself, because we play ourselves in the film. So basically me and I've organized an audition for my brother at the San Francisco ballet company. And he's living in Europe, um, dancing professionally. So I bring him over in the hopes that we will live in the same state, go on this road trip with my boyfriend, Kane and my best friend, Catherine. And um, it takes place over a weekend. And that's, that's the film. And it's all kind of, it's, it's all real in the sense that um, those circumstances are contrived for the, the sake of the story, but we obviously are in a relationship. It yep. is her brother. It is our friend. And, and so 
Um, we went in kind of um, just improvising the dialogue, but basing it on the real relationships that we have with one another within the circumstances that we had kind of set up. So mm. that was the kind of experiment, I guess, of, of the film. Yeah. yeah. And, and so after the screening, Hannah, I remember you had mentioned that you both attended the South by Southwest keynote where Mark Duplass sort of has done this quite well-known keynote amongst yeah. indie pil- filmmakers called, you know, titled The Cavalry Is Not Coming yeah. or, or yeah. something along those yeah. lines. No, exactly. Could you sort of unpack that a bit for me of, um, was that sort of the inspiration that you took to, to make the film? Yeah, so I didn't attend the keynote, but there was another keynote like six months later mm. in LA and um, our friend Catherine, she'd organised tickets for us and she ended up producing the film with us and starring in it. Um, and it was like a $5 event and we were sitting there and, and basically they were reiterating this speech, which is like, guys, don't wait for the industry to hire you. It, that mm. is not, we don't live in the eighties anymore. Mm. It's up to you to go and make your own stuff. And I'd been sitting in LA for two years struggling as an actress, like not booking anything because there are skinnier, more beautiful versions of me, like tall, blonde, white women. I feel obligated to come in and say that is absolutely not true. But it is. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, but, you know, there's so much competition. They mm. say in LA that you're basically competing with like 1,800 other people for the Who same Who look role. exactly like you sort of thing. B- yeah. better, um, more d- dynamic or in a better place, whatever mm. it is, you're not getting the role. So, um, And that uh, would have been difficult when you have like an artist heart burning inside of you and all you want to do is is make something exactly mm. yeah. exactly so i'm like i've got four jobs in la mm. um Jeez. yeah like working the grocery store mm. handing out samples um you know wiping kids bottoms every day mm. taking care of you know lots of different children and i was just like i can't what am i doing I, sydney is so beautiful why am i living in la struggling yeah. mm. i've got to do something about it and it just got to this point of desperation and I happened to be at that event at the same time. Mm. And I'd just been on this road trip with my family and Kane and Connor um, up the PCH. And so when when Mark was like, don't like go, go and hire your, just get your friends, get your 5D if you have one and start yeah. shooting things on the weekend. And I just wrote down the idea of the film. And then I pitched it to Kane and Catherine that night. And I think like three or four months later, we were, we were shooting. Mm. Yeah, um, I think we would still kind of like, bit kind of high on the fumes of the talk and then i was kind of like yeah let's do it yeah sweet i'm down yeah just kind of like no consideration of well how are we going to do this let's wait until we have a script it was just kind of like no let's do it so let's already talk plans about how we're going to get the money and it was like we don't even have a script and we launched the kickstarter without a script yeah we we just had this idea which was like a one-page idea but for some reason, we, we just knew we could do it because it was... Well, we didn't know if we could we do did, it. We well, just did it anyway. <laughs> I knew. We knew. That's what we have to tell people. That's what you have to say. But I Deep think... Deep down, you you know that you'll keep going until you get it done. Just because I just know that that's what... Or, I mean, you can... If you have enough equipment, like I have a 5D, mm. which is a great piece of equipment. But our friend had a, ca- a really good camera. He had an Arri Alexa, which is like... A studio camera, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that was fortunate. Um, and that's the benefit of living in LA is that people that you know own... Have like, amazing equipment. Yeah. Amazing yeah. equipment. And they're yeah. wanting to shoot things because um, you're living in a town that kind of lives and breathes on 
filmmaking and everywhere you drive there's there's billboards and signs and trailers and ads and things and so and all of your friends are in the business yeah Yeah, you're saturated by it and so when you're not making things I think I think you want to jump on board what someone else is doing yeah so we were able to get a friend who would just bring her car and drive along and follow us and we threw her in a scene but she 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 just came along to be a a, a, a personal assistant assistant, essentially she worked for free um yeah my friend with 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 his kind of camera rig and stuff so um, I think that's a great environment to be around, right? Yeah, because definitely. like I know when I was first starting out in Sydney, you're like, oh, I'm going to be in film and people are kind of like, really? But like, wow. like how, how do you like, try, like how are you going to do that? But yeah. I think, you know, one of the good things it sounds like being in LA is like everyone's kind of like on the same wavelength. And it's like, yeah, why not make yeah. an yeah. indie feature? You know? I, I, but at I, the I, same time, mm. that that is great. But mm. at the same time, there is such an oversaturation that... I mean, I would find myself just beating so hard on myself and mm-hmm. not being successful yet um, because everyone around you is is so productive and working. There's this like, kind of mentality there. It's like mm-hmm. if you're not, you know, at this event or if you're not booking this job or if you're not on this track yet, it's, yeah. it's hard to feel confident. And I think that Sydney has a lot of benefits too mm-hmm. in, in terms of being a filmmaker. It's just maybe it you need to kind of get out of it to understand what it has. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a fine line in LA because like, like you said, it's, it's, um, it's very inspiring, but at the same time you constantly kind of feel there's this pressure to, it's very competitive. Be, yeah, to be sure. out there and doing things because everyone else is, or yeah. at least that's the way it seems. But the reality is, is it's not everybody else. Everyone's <laughs> probably as insecure Everybody's and struggling exactly, just as much. Yeah. As well. yeah. Exactly. And that's an amazing yeah. thing to be a part of that mm. kind of, you know, a whole town that is a part of the same community. Like that's yeah. why people go to LA. It's pretty mm. rare in that way. Yeah. So, um, so Kane, you've directed mm. a, a feature before yourself. Yes. Can you talk to me a little bit about, which I, I haven't seen the film, but I imagine it's probably a little bit more traditional. Like right. I think I saw a no, trailer, trailer yeah. for it, which yeah. is, it's like a Western period piece, yeah. which looked awesome. I'd be keen to see it, but, um, <laughs> you know, I guess, can you talk a bit about, um, for you kind of moving to, both a different genre and probably a different style of filmmaking. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, I mean, I went to film school. I did a uh, short film there. I mm. went to film school in the States. So I did a short film there, which I co-wrote with an American guy. Uh, so it was very, I was very influenced by American films, obviously at that mm. time. And uh, he was uh, 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 from, from Texas. So he kind of taught me about the Civil War. And so we wrote this thing. And when I graduated, I probably spent... Um, kind of a couple years two three years kind of just kicking around um just working some jobs in the industry here and uh we wrote the feature version of that short Mm -hmm. and that got into the hands of some producers that i kind of met through my time there so it's kind of like a networks thing you know and they just got it and said look um you need to come over and make this because we like the script uh and it, it we i just went over there uh we were supposed to cast for about three weeks we cast for about six months in la so i was mm. I, I was on on the ground there for six months and then we went to austin and shot for two months or for a month and 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 we uh, uh and kind of wrap up and prep and all that um yeah and so what de- it was definitely more of a kind of classic um we went through like the agent system, yep. tried to get um, kind of marketable actors as much as we could, guys from shows and, and mm. films and things. And 30 odd man crew uh, uh, flying in our, our, our kind of keys from, from LA to Austin. And, 
and you know kind of it was still it was still low like the the budget was still under a million mm-hmm. it was definitely a lot more than we had on this one yep. um but it was i was very much still in this mindset that that's kind of the only films you can make yeah like i thought okay this is uh, as good as we can do it's low budget um uh, when when Finale came along, I kind of remembered thinking, well, what is this? Like, where does it fit in? I don't really have my head around it. What what can we make for um, peanuts like this? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's know, something, you know, your character in the film, like I know you're playing yourself in the film, but it's something your character in the film kind of expresses. And I think yeah. our um, kind of our generation kind of grew up on this Tarantino style Definitely. of filmmaking mm-hmm. that is like, my filmography is as important as the individual films themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so I think your character in the film is sitting in the bathtub and it's like, you know, I've only got eight films in me, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think it, I, I imagine it would be a pretty interesting process of shifting your thinking between, you know, these are both films, they're both as important yeah. to me, yeah. but shifting from like a million dollar budget to yeah. what, and, like $20,000. And, and it, it's, it's still ongoing. Like I'm, mm. I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around. Where do you fit in it, that? Yeah. And, and I, I think the only thing that I can tell myself is don't think about the bigger picture, like just go one film at a time. Yeah. Um, if the next one's five grand, awesome. Or if it's 500 grand, great. Or if it's 5 million, great. It, mm. It's just, I, I, you, you need to keep, I think, an idea of what you're doing because there's consequences. So, I mean, the question is more, if I want to make like that 5 mil film now, which I tried to do for two years after the first film. Yeah. Um, and I just realized we've kind of fallen into this gap in the industry right now where um, there's like a kind of shift in the middle. So so basically like that, that kind of gap is widening to where you have like the massive budget films. Um, they're bigger and bigger than ever before yeah. and more of them. Uh, and then you've got all that middle ground has moved to television and yeah. streaming and cable and all that. So, so then you're kind of left with, well, I can't compete with those big films in the cinema yeah. and it's getting more expensive to put your film out in cinemas. So what can I make that's cheap enough that um, we don't have to sell it for a whole lot to make a profit mm-hmm. and it can live on VOD and still do quite well like that. If you spend a certain amount on a movie, um, you obviously have more to recoup. And that's something that I learned on the first film was that I thought it was awesome that we got a brief theatrical run. Mm. It was only like, I think, uh, 10 screens through through America uh, for like a week or two. Um, and With I thought, AMC. Either. Well, at AMC, which which is like an event or something here. And I was like, great, great. And it was definitely a, a, a good kind of ego boost at the time. And I could invite my friends and we go and watch it in the movies. And, but, but what I realized was, oh, okay. So now the distributor is saying that it costs them 100 grand or whatever it was to put it in the movies. Well, what if it only costs them kind of 20 or 30 or 40 and they're basically kind of, there's, there's no transparency in the system there. Mm. Uh, and so it's just one of those things. And it's not to say that for now can't survive in a cinema screen. I just think you, you really need those marketable actors now more than ever before yeah. in theaters and the whole game is changing. And so we're just kind of, I think everyone is still trying to figure out what the new landscape is. And for now is definitely um, kind of my, I guess, introduction into um, kind of a more viable current way of making films that maybe has only been necessary for the last five years or so. Yeah. And that we're still figuring out. 
Um, I could probably make five of these films for the cost of one of the other films that I thought I was going to make originally. Mm. And, and you, can, you, you can potentially set up a model where you're rolling from one film into the next and you're working with a distributor saying, look, we only need 100 grand to make the next one. Um, and it's lower risk for everybody involved. So you're more likely to get those kind of partnerships. Yeah. And I just think right now, especially after like the GFC and all that, and it's just that's where we're at with, with, with feature filmmaking at least. Um, I'm but, thinking, but at the moment you, you're yeah. kind of talking about um, more of a business like right. ma- making money right, aspect of it yeah, but yeah. yeah but I guess creatively like I think that's an interesting aspect to it but then also creatively as you said it's hard to compete visual effects wise sure. or yeah. you know with yeah. these big um, tentpole movies yeah. but I guess your currency with a movie like For Now is really yeah. the heart that it has yeah and, 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 and knowing I, I think kind of more of this humbling like when you come out of film school you think I'm going to have that career that that Spielberg had. Yeah. I'm going to be 20 something. I'm going to make a studio film by the time I'm 30, whatever. Um, and it's just going to be like this run on effect. And I just think the industry has changed. And so what I've realized is, well, there's nothing wrong. It, it's, it's kind of getting your head around the idea that you can make a film with no known actors in it um, and play to a smaller audience and say, well, that's our niche audience. But because we made it for so little, if we can just hit that audience, then we're yeah. doing fine. And it's it's no longer this like overbearing kind of overwhelming thought of, oh, I, I need to make sure this film gets out on a thousand screens and blah, blah, blah. And, and I can and, only make one every five years sort right. of thing. And, and, and that actually, to answer your question, that frees you up creatively mm. because suddenly you're going, right, I can I'll, just- I'll get them on the next one if yeah. this one doesn't work. Yeah, and, and I, I can just keep practicing mm. and I can just keep kind of like, learning or appropriating or adapting i would say what a film can be in my mind yeah and a lot of that had to just do in a general sense with watching more kind of of that style of film ever since i kind of met ben hannah i guess because i met hannah on post on echoes of war and up to that point it was very classical i was just watching all of like the kind of quote-unquote great films Mm. or all the films we kind of um were influenced by growing up in like the 90s and things and and realizing, wow, like somebody here is is going in not thinking of that, not thinking of the ramifications of like the business or like the kind of she she's an actor. Yeah. So while you you may have been thinking, how do I get in those films? The stuff you're watching is probably a little less kind of. I started to watch films as research as opposed to just watching things that I wanted to watch. Yeah. And once you train your mind into that, it's kind of hard to get out of it. But watching this that kind of stuff and getting into like. Joe Swanberg films, Duplass Brothers films, Lynn Shelton's films. Um, I realized, wow, there's actually already like a whole group of filmmakers that have, have been doing this for like 10, 12 years. Yeah. And it's not like we aren't the first ones. And so that takes the pressure off. And then you go, okay, it's just a matter of playing in a new sandpit. It's not, it's not kind of reinventing what you thought you knew. Yeah. It's just, it's just going over here. And I can always go back there in the future if, if the time is right or, or, or the script is right or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that freed me up a little bit. And then I said, okay, I guess I'm just making this kind of film this time. And it doesn't have to be a linear progression. Yeah. And I think that was the moment when I kind of un- like you were like I'm on board for this right, project. Yeah, right. took a minute though. Took me a minute of going through all that because I overanalyzed yep. these things. Um, I I suppose there are people that just follow their nose and go yep yep yep. But I kind of got all in my head about it, and then I kind of had to yeah go through that whole kind of thought process. Because you're an analytical guy. <laughs> and once yeah, and and once I kind of realized, oh great, like this is actually super freeing. Mm. Um, 
and that got me excited and then I, and then that excitement started to build and then i kind of really ran with it yeah and I'm, i think i'm still running with it and now the next film i'm thinking more in that mindset yeah so yeah it's kind of definitely been a kind of progression bit of a process yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to answer your question yeah. long-windedly as i do no so, i think you covered everything okay right? okay cool yeah no it's great because i think um i i've definitely gone through that that thought process myself and i think you know because we kind of grew up um like you know i can remember a time without the internet when it was Mm -hmm. very young and i think you know people like us will sort of always had that thing of you know our filmography you know as a director your filmography is what defines your legacy sort of thing but i think generations younger than us will be like well of course online like of course you know low budget stuff you know i i can shoot something on 5d Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. put it out there and that will be that will sort of become the rule rather than the exception. So I think it is interesting for a lot of independent filmmakers as they're navigating that new landscape. Like, yeah. obviously we've always known the internet's around, but yeah. it's it's an interesting thing to think about it as like, oh, this is my main distribution platform right. or, or, or this is how I'm going it, to make it's, films. It's kind of like a quiet revolution in a way. Yeah. It's kind of been coming for a few years and I, I, I think it's it's probably only kind of mid, mid, midway through its first phase. Yeah, yeah. I you went know. to um, a distribution workshop with women in entertainment in mm. LA right after we shot for now. And, you know, those women are really pushing the whole online content and mm-hmm. also VR is huge now. And it's kind of, we're, we're going into an, a very, very different world very quickly. And I, I, I already feel like I'm behind, <laughs> but um there was a woman um, who was talking about uh, BitTorrent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was like, BitTorrent's the next platform. Like, mm-hmm. that's where you want to be. Vimeo, you know, streaming through Vimeo. Like, series like High Maintenance. And that's that's kind of the trajectory that our generation should be aiming for. But we're not And where a lot of the interesting stuff yeah. is coming from as yeah. well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's We're just, just a matter not, of time before Facebook is is publishing films on their websites. You know, it's just hard for us to stop clinging to the old model, yeah. models because that's what we love. Mm. But well, it's because it's you've spent so many years lionizing these filmmakers and yeah. these artists, going, "I want to be the next." Like, if you're an actor, you might think, "I, I want to be the next Kate Blanchett," instead of like, "Well, I want to be. I, I just want to get a role on Easy, this show on Netflix." Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's definitely. It's this, this movie star thing is um, it's kind of at, at the same point getting to a head in the sense that like there's more stars than ever. The, the star thing is more necessary than ever before with these big budget films. But then you're also seeing like it's just a matter of time, I think, before DiCaprio is in a, a series. Yeah. Um, you already started to see that. And and, and so... Which it, is it's, annoying. Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's like it's, there's no room for newcomers. Well, well, but I think that there is more room than ever before because like you said, it's there's, there's going to be Vimeo shows, already have been. There's, but there's um, so much content out there, it's kind of daunting. It's, but it's dizzying. It's but not a reason for you not to go out and make stuff. In mm. fact, it's more of a reason for you to... Yeah actually break through the market yeah it's like it's like saying there's more competition out there but but only the good stuff will will survive and the audience will will vote for that and And, anybody can make a really good you know series or film with nothing yeah throw it up on youtube and just by having a good story and good talent attached to it so that's really exciting i think yeah i mean the weird thing for me is like i had this meeting with a manager in la it was kind of like Hey, so this film that you want to get made, um, instead of going after these actors, 
um, these kind of more established actors. What about getting some of these YouTube kind of impressionists or uh, they, they say influencers. they're like in, in, in influencers. Yeah. Ugh. And I'm like, and I just... I think even they it. don't like that title, right? Oh, like, uh, no. I in just... LA, there are a few who really do, you right, know. Like, okay. I've met somebody who's like, I'm an influencer. I was like, go away. But that's the thing is, I just straight up said no. Yeah. And that's probably why that thing never got made. Because they're right. like, right, this guy's not kind of willing to play, play ball here. But maybe that's something like I'm starting to see those people appearing in films going, Oh, they actually weren't that bad. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, I guess no one wants to kind of be the person that takes a chance on these, these, these kinds of things. But, um, that's kind of where I look, I, I think that's also a bit of a scary thought in many ways, because someone who's famous for taking videos of their cats shouldn't necessarily, but, yeah. but, they build that audience for a reason because they're captivating. And there's definitely a talent there. Like there's definitely to, talent. to build five, 10 million subscribers or, or whatever. It's not some of them are. But, yeah. but, but that's this new way of thinking of it, that that is a skill set. It's not just a fluke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting though, but it, it's a skill set, but yeah. it's not necessarily make, it doesn't necessarily make you an actor or, right. or a filmmaker. And, 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 it's a different and, discipline. You and, know? and will there be a dip in, in kind of quality or not? Yeah. Like, will acting take a hit or will it keep kind of, I feel like it's better than it ever has been in many ways in terms of realism. But, but there's also yeah. a lot of like high budget crap out there that keeps yeah. being made by this in the studio system. Not yeah. that I and it's just very the studio system. <laughs> it's just very derivative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's remake central right now. You know, it's an interesting time. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess taking this, that's sort of the the thought process that's like bubbling in your heads mm-hmm. as, as you're thinking about this film, and then you decide to launch a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. And I guess. You know, you as you said, you're sort of high off the fumes of this South by Southwest yeah. keynote. But I imagine once you launched the Kickstarter, then it was like, oh wow, we actually really do have to make this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have to make it in like a week because <laughs> by the time I think it finished, we had about a week until we shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like your Kickstarter budget, like what you were asking for was like modest for a film, but still pretty sizable. It was like twenty thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Right. What gave you the confidence to be like? Was it friends and family that you thought you'd be able to hit up or like what? Yeah. Just talk, talk me through a bit of that Kickstarter process <clears throat> and why you went through there. Um, so we did the Kickstarter thing just because everybody else is doing it and mm-hmm. um, we didn't know how else to get our hands on any money. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I'd done one before in it because of all of oh, that's right. Time, um, which was just like a small portion of it. I think we raised 35. So it was a little bigger, but it was for like a much bigger budget. So, mm. so. And also when we went to that Duplass Brothers event, um, they they said like I think they made um, the puffy chair for like thirty grand or seventeen mm. grand or something like that like it was a small amount of money so mm. I just literally just, thought yeah. all right let's shoot for the same thing <laughs> yeah, like right. let's be nuts and it was a full time job hitting up people every day on social yeah. media and reaching mm. out to all the contacts that we had in L A um, and it was really really stressful yeah <laughs> which which was like the month or so that it. That, that the campaign ran for mm. um, so. that we were going to write the script and I guess just we were trying to but it just the campaign becomes such a kind of full on thing so that, basically you know. we had I had the idea I pitched it I think like a month later we, we had dropped the Kickstarter campaign and in between that time um, Kane and Catherine and I were talking about you know the idea and everything mm. and I said to Kane for our second anniversary or whatever I said let's go away to he was like what do you want because I'm not like a jewelry girl or whatever and <laughs> I was like okay let's go to Morrow Bay um, and um, to a hotel that we love and let's just shoot something let's take my camera and just improvise something mm-hmm. 
And so we did that. And then the next weekend we shot. A, this the, is pre any of pre, the pre for now. now. Yeah, yeah. I just said, let's have an exercise and see if we can trust each other. Cool. And what we come up with. But we knew we were going to make for now already. We knew we were going to make for now. But, but it was just like a little bit of extra confidence that this yeah. style would, yeah. would That work. would even work or yeah. be interesting at all um, before we ask everybody that we know to give us their money. Yeah. Um, so we did that. And then the next weekend we shot another thing another little short with um Catherine who's in the film mm. uh in the nightclub that's literally on the same street as us um, which is the nightclub in the beginning of the film it's pretty much kind of like the same scene we reshot so that we yeah it's like a very trendy um nightclub mm. in in silver lake in los angeles um and so we shot those two things and kind of looked at the footage and we used that footage for our Kickstarter campaign. Okay, cool. And I think a lot we got a lot of feedback during that time saying, oh, this looks like a really cool film. Like it's a quasi-documentary. It's like fictitious. What is it? Yeah. Um, and you're like, this isn't even the thing itself. This is kind right. of more of a proof of concept. Right? Exactly. Right. And, and We accidentally shot a proof of concept. Yeah, and I feel like that footage looks e- e- even more rough. Like um, <laughs> the film for now, I guess, in the end kind of looked kind of nicer than what I thought it would because we had the Alexa and our friend Anton Dupree who, who shot it um, just had a great eye and knew how to make it look nice. And he's a no director writing. in his own right. right. And mm-hmm. and the, the footage that we shot for the Kickstarter was just, or that we just shot for the films that we still haven't made, the, the, the shorts, the footage is still there, but we used it in the Kickstarter campaign video. Um, just looked very kind of like handheld uh fly on the wall kind of like I'm holding it on her and then she's holding it on me and yeah. just um, kind of like uh, uh, kind of very very DIY yeah. and I just thought oh well this is something that we have with our faces in it. it it's it's I guess there's some good kind of moments in this stuff but the response we got from the video how much people loved that aesthetic yeah. and they really responded to it and said look there's nothing out there that does this um, this is what we want to watch um and yeah, so that I think gave us like a really important the confidence thing. to, to yeah. continue forward. Yeah, and then we and then we launched a Kickstarter, and then Kane the next thing was getting the money, and yeah. being like, "Wow, well now we have no excuse. There's an audience there that says that they want to see this, and now we have the money, so now we have to just throw something together." And, and literally it. three weeks later, after finishing that Kickstarter campaign and getting it successfully funded, we were on the road. I think it was less and than it, that. How many weeks? Maybe right? even it was less. Like a week two, two. I think we funded it <laughs> January thirteen. 2016 and then we were on the road january 26th yeah um and connor had flown into la like we we also did all of this while we were back in australia so we were it was nuts um it was it's not not a healthy way to work we were home for the holidays for uh six weeks christmas and i don't think anyone saw us until christmas eve and then we were like hi hi and then we went right right back to the kickstarter yeah and prepping the shoot but that's great i mean that you know as as you said as you launched it you feel like there's a an audience where this style is resonating with right yeah that's maybe an audience like a hopeful audience from what a handful of people had told us yeah or like a hundred or so that that were we didn't really know anything we just went ahead with it it. we've got some money we may as well why not it was a hope that this kind of momentum would just keep going great but also like i have nothing to lose neither of us have anything to lose by just having an experiment yeah right and it was going to be a week shoot um we thought we'd edit the thing in like a month or so and it took longer uh, and we had to do a reshoot uh, of a couple of days about five months later. 
which was a blessing in disguise because we were able to see what the edit was missing. Um, which, by the way, I've, this is the number one thing I've learned is reshoot is is not a dirty word. Like it's I'm going to yeah. plan that into every shoot I do from now on. Have a portion um, of the budget allocated it, it, to that. That's it, interesting. Yeah, it, right. It, it doesn't mean you're stuffed up or weren't good enough on the day. It just means like you're never going to have those ideas until you look at the edit. Yeah. And that's going to kind of spark new ideas. A woman so, who is in um, WIFT, Pearl Tan, she's a NIDA grad. Um, mm. I was talking to her uh, on the opening night of FFS and she's actually shooting her feature film with her partner right now. And they're shooting every weekend. And I think they've been shooting for like 10 weeks. Mm. She said that it's been such a blessing for her shooting that way because um, she's been able to shoot a portion of the film over the weekend and then have the rest of the week to see what she's missing and plan for the next weekend. Mm. I Mm. think that's, that would be a great way to work if you could. Because yeah. you'd just be able to cut out so much money that you would spend post trying to correct your mistakes. Yeah. Right. And, and even huge Hollywood budget films will, will go back and, you know, do the same thing. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And I guess because uh, you're both producing and both directing, if you're like, oh, I look, you know, you can sort of... Uh, you know, and you're shooting on the same camera format. There's, yeah. It can cut in seamlessly. You know. Well, actually, the reshoot was on the, the red. red. Really? With a different because DP. our friend Anton was in Australia, ironically enough, um, right. and wasn't available, and so we found another guy, Kyle Stryker, who I think w- was amazing. Um, and he came in and he brought his red, and we just added a little more grain in post to it, and mm-hmm. it's basically kind of seamless. Yeah, I mean, which, I, I try and pride myself on, on being able to tell different camera formats, and I totally you, didn't you notice. Excellent, yeah, that's, that's great. Good. That's yeah. what yeah. we that's, like to know. Our colorist was great as well. So, um, awesome. yeah, e film at e film in in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. It was who who gave us a free color grade on a DI suite in a professional kind of color house in, in awesome. Hollywood. So it was really amazing when you're a little film like this how people will help you because mm. I, I think they know that if they don't then, then maybe no one will, will yeah, might, yeah. Might, you know? but we yeah. were really lucky that they believed in the yeah. film enough to yeah. actually give us the, that room yeah. for a few days I feel like it might be the freebie that we get I'm yeah. not sure if they'll do it every time no. yeah yeah yeah. But anyway so don't tell me about just the feeling like you, you've gotten this money that Kickstarter's cleared and you, the, the film is sort of a road trip film as well. So you all pile into this van and you've dedicated a week. What, how are you feeling then, you know, once, once you hit the road? We were totally nervous. Yeah. And also just, it's like you have adrenaline, so you just keep going forward. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they, we were making mistakes all along the way, mm-hmm. but also correcting them really quickly. So, But we, also there's no necessarily... Um, uh, kind of Way of no precedent for doing that yeah. kind of thing and we had never done that so it's like yeah it's mistakes but but how else are you supposed to shoot a film in seven days when you all fit in one minivan and there's no car mounts for the camera and <laughs> you're sorry just... I mean it's like we didn't we didn't stop to think has anyone done this because I think that would have scared us it was just kind of like oh, this is like shooting a little exercise in class or it's like yeah. being in film school again. But like Catherine was really yeah. hesitant. She was very nervous about what we were doing. And we, in the writing process, um, we were aiming to have a script initially. And then at some point, Kane and I, we, Kane was, you know, talking about Cassavetes. He was reading from Cassavetes on Cassavetes. John, John Cassavetes, who's, who's a great filmmaker if you haven't seen his yeah. films. Yeah. Um, and he was he was quoting that during the writing process and then he kind of turned to me and was like why don't we just improvise the whole thing and I was like yeah let's do it let's do what Joe Swanberg does mm. like Joe Swanberg will have his actors show up on the day and they don't know what they're shooting yeah he's he's got an outline in his head and he knows the story beats 
um, and his act structure maybe, but they don't really know what scene out of that the film that they're going to shoot. And yeah. we love those films, um, you know. And yeah. so, because I think they, the actors have such chemistry because they are really playing and they really don't know what they're going to say to each other. And I mm-hmm. think you can't do that when you have a script. So right. we were like, all right, this is such a tiny amount of money. Let's just truly experiment and let's do this. And then we did get on the road and, you know, we had done um, sort of location scouting from the the trip that I'd done with my family, mm. like we, we knew the spots, five months yeah. earlier. We yeah. knew the spots that we were going to, but every day things would come up that would change our plans. So yeah. we'd be like, okay, we don't have enough time to go to this particular location. We're in Big Sur. Where should we go? And I was like, this is the nearest hiking trail. Let's go there. And yeah. then we were there and we were lucky that there was no one there and the sound was amazing. And um, we pretty much... I would say every step of the way there was something that could have gone wrong and it just didn't. Mm. But things did go wrong. Things did go wrong. Like our car got broken into in San Francisco on our third or fourth night. So we had to take it to Enterprise the next morning, but we only had like an hour left to shoot the final scene of the film where we're sitting in front of those beautiful buildings. So you're like half your mind's dedicated to like our car's just been broken into, but I also really want to finish the film. And And I don't know if we have enough money left in our budget to cover the insurance or to, you know, to get the next car. And also they don't have the same exact same car at the enterprise in San Francisco that they did in Glendale in Los Angeles. So we had a complete two different colored cars in the film. Some people notice, some don't, but most most (laughs) people don't thank God. But, um, (laughs) but, but basically it was just producing on the fly. Yeah. It's really all it was, which is what producing is. It's just that, um, I think if you're, uh, trained a certain way, which luckily neither of us were really trained in producing, I trained in directing, um, uh, and so it was really just kind of uh, very non-union. How, let's just huddle together and figure <laughs> out how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> let's look at how many kind of hours we have left in the day. Let's look at what it wasn't the kind of thing where we could come back and get it tomorrow because we were shooting in real time. Yeah. So as we traveled up the coast, we were getting those scenes. Yeah. Uh, and shooting in the car as we drove. And the great thing yeah. about having a cast and crew of only seven is it, that yeah. you don't have all these people to manage. You no. can just go, okay, we, guys, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. Let's just like literally move the camera it, into the it, corner yeah. and shoot. It, 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 it wouldn't have been possible, I think, to work this way without the fact that it was only seven people. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that we actually didn't have those resources. Like we didn't have an, an equipment truck. We yeah. really just had We the didn't camera. have lighting. We no used lamps in that no. were in the place. Wow. There's absolutely no lighting. There might be a bounce board used once or twice in the exterior stuff, but pretty much that's all just natural light. And yeah. then interior There was one sound guy, one DP, one personal assistant, and then Connor, Catherine, Kane, and I. And that was yeah. it. That's the full, yeah. full car load. Crammed into one minivan, literally. Yeah. It really was as simple as just like looking which of the house lights look nice at night and turning them on and flicking the switches and maybe we'd add a little lamp in the corner or we'd add some candles and it might drive like people who are in film who watch the film might go it might drive them crazy because they're like cinematographers cinematographers a certain kind of uh, style to an image but But the way that we worked it it makes the film feel more real because it's far more natural it's not stylized so it lends itself to the actual product that we were aiming for so basically going in those were our main tenement. It, it, we kind of knew that it was going to be improvised. Yeah. We knew that we only had one camera. Um, so it was going to feel like a, I guess, a, like a documentary. Yeah. Um, and it was going to kind of be inspired by reality TV in a way. Not the falsity of reality TV, but the actual real stuff. Yeah. 
um, swinging a camera around, trying to catch who's talking. Yeah, but that reality TV, not reality TV itself, but that reality idea, which I guess is the same thing as like a doc. But well, it, like it, what you said at the end of uh, the screening, that the, the camera feels like the fifth friend in, right. in, yeah. in, in the right. situation. Another and, and, yeah. and so like 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 an, an extension of that idea was that we, 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 we just put on one lens and, and we I don't I think we kept that lens for every single shot. So, yeah, wow. Okay. So we didn't really kind of have time to think, well, will this shot look better on a longer lens or a short lens? It was just kind of like our eyes are a fixed length in a way. We never reviewed the footage. No, it's just, let's put on that 24mm lens. It, it's wide enough to capture everything. Um, focus isn't really, really an issue because there's not going to be any marks to hit. Um, uh, and, you know, and it was just as simple as that. And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long enough lens at 24 that you can walk in and get a, a close-up that doesn't totally Completely walk Completely distort people, yeah. Um, but that's just, that was Anton and just knowing his camera and knowing his lens and, mm. and being experienced enough to say, I've got this, just I'll, I'll tell you if there's anything wrong. And we just asked him at the end of the take, have you got it? Yep, sweet. We didn't know exactly who he was on for every take, uh, for, um, for, 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 for every line, I should say. Yeah. But we just discovered that in the editing and cut yep. around it. So it just is what it is. Like it, the, the film is what it is. Yeah. It's from, it's the best thing we could have made from the pieces we had. In yeah. seven days. Right. And, but we knew that going in. So I think the expectations are at a certain level. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested in jumping in more about like the directorial decisions you guys made. But before that, um, I mean, you mentioned it's improv, but as you've touched on a few times, you're also sort of playing yourselves or a certain version, you know, of yourselves in the film. Um, and I think the film feels incredibly honest because of that. But can you talk to me a little bit about the decision to play yourselves and not have a sort of once removed quality of, you know, as you said, Hannah, your character in the film is Hannah. Why not make it Jess, who is has a similar, you know, story? Right. Can you yeah. can you talk to me a bit about that? So at some point we were, we were talking about casting or do we want to, you know, does Kane want to play the the boyfriend role mm. the, you know Catherine and I are actresses so we wanted to be in the film mm-hmm. um and then we were just thinking okay we don't have that much time to cast somebody and also to cast a, an actor who can also dance is more difficult and we want to work in this improvisational way so what's the best outcome and we eventually arrived at the point of maybe it's just better to ask if my brother can come over and play himself Mm -hmm. and I'll play myself. I mean, the film is about my experiences and my separation anxiety with my brother. So let's take it one step further and, um, you know, try it out. Yeah. Was that a big, like once, uh, like once you had that idea, was that a big commitment to make or were you just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was no room to recast anybody else. And that made it very difficult to, um, decide, when we were actually going to shoot the film because we were like okay this is insane we we can't do pre-production in two or three months Mm. we don't have the script yet um and we just threw caution to the wind and i called up my brother and i said hey do you want to come and shoot my first feature film with me how cool would that be and he was really on board thank god and like i mean all the performances in the film great like there's not a weak link so was it Thanks. was he uh no i mean sorry that was <laughs> yeah thank you, thank you very much no no <laughs> um you know but you're you know can you're a director and and you know obviously your brother um is more of a dancer what what was it like convincing them 
hey, act in this thing. Well, Kane's so kooky anyway that I think he just has a natural performative ability. I know that he does privately. Um, he's he's a bit of a weirdo. He plays lots yeah. of characters and um, he's very funny. And, and also he did acting in school. Acting, yeah. 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 And not since I was like 18. Not since you were 18, but like he was in um, the same year as Kip Williams, who's running the STC oh, wow. and they yeah, used yeah. to do productions together, um, <laughs> which is funny. And uh, Connor did do commercials some commercials growing up and he mm-hmm. did acting as well but so it wasn't like a massive leap for them to, no. to consider this but it's also different playing yourself yeah um than playing a character connor was not on board to play a character he mm. was like yep i'm happy to play myself and i convinced him that it would be very natural i would just tell him what to do in the scene and he'd just do it mm. and that was literally what happened when we came to shooting it was like i was very surprised about how comfortable he was being himself on yeah. screen. What a gift. Yeah. But that that definitely was, I think, the last kind of reservation that I had, like the night before we shot, was like, okay, this whole thing is predicated on the fact that we can play ourselves, but what happens if he arrives or if I start acting and the camera's Get a bit self-conscious. And, and, yeah. Exactly. And so I, I knew we'd figure it out, mm-hmm. but it was just an easier process. But knowing my brother, he's just such a naturally confident person mm-hmm that I just knew it was going to work. Mm. Um, I mean, I didn't really know it was going to work, but I, I never, I was never fearful that Connor wouldn't be great because he's one of those annoying people who's just, just great at everything. good at everything. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, I think he's taught himself four or five instruments in the past yeah, wow. year. He just bought a saxophone and he's teaching himself how to, <laughs> it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. 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 Um, what was the original question? Well, about the names, which I, I, I oh. think was also our last kind of discussion yeah. before we shot was like, maybe we should do all of this we're talking about, but let's just, just have a just once remove quality. Yeah. Names. Oh yeah. yeah. Like it was um, just an easier, um, situation for us to be referring to ourselves by our own names yeah. than well, character yeah. names. And that's, that was honestly, I think, the thing that led us to playing ourselves was I don't want to be speaking to Connor or Connor forgetting my name yeah. and calling me Sally and then having to reshoot. There wasn't enough time to do four or five takes. Yeah. Well, but, and e- even if we could have reshot those moments, and I'm sure we could have got behind the idea of, call, of, of calling each other another name for a week, but I think that was also a kind of choice that... We're, we're, we're purposely kind of you're like completely committing completely we're, committing yeah. to the idea and, as well yeah. and 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 so yeah in a way I, I think the story behind like the making of the film is probably just as important for at least us to talk about um as the film itself yeah. because i mean an audience who sees it might not know that that's who we really are unless they read the names in in the end credits yeah. but um i think for us it was it was a choice just to blur that line and come what may, you know, and just yeah. see, see what happens with doing that. A lot of the artistry I feel did come from pragmatism, but also the other way around. Like right, yeah. it was a blend of both. So, yeah. and that was what made it really fun. Yeah. Cause it, you know, we didn't go into it with a heavily preconceived notion of this is how it has to be. Yeah. We were like, let's see what happens. We're throwing spaghetti to the wall and seeing what yeah. sticks. And that was i mean i want to work that way forever and ever like it wow. was so fun yeah because yeah. you're not stressing about like we're both perfectionists yeah and so to to really just have the opportunity to do this experiment where we're not sure what's going to happen i think did wonders for us both personally yeah yeah because i mean uh like for you honey you've come from a drama school which is incredibly technical and yeah. like it's 
where's the dot where's the full you know where's yeah. the full stop where's the yeah. comma and the pendulum is almost like swing completely the other way you know yeah. where NIDA or theater training is so technical and so text-based yeah to go completely the other way I imagine that would have felt pretty like a breath of fresh air well it I remember being at NIDA and just being so frustrated Mm. the whole time Mm. because I really respond to actors who improvise and who you don't hear the writing. And Mm. so I really struggled with that way of working. Um, And so I think, you know, this film has very much come from a deep place of wanting to play. Yeah. And to not do what I've always seen. Yeah. Or I've been told to do. Yeah. 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 I like to follow rules, but I really like to break them as well. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that Kane's the same way. Yeah. Because that gave us, you know, the ability to have a, a real chemistry as co-directors. Because mm. um, we were both willing to take risks. Yeah. Which was fun. <laughs> and so as co-directors, like how, like what, you know, you mentioned you didn't uh, review the footage on set. But what was that like? Like you mentioned you're under 24 mil the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you're, the DP was on an easy rig and, mm-hmm. and a, an Alexa. And it was like, um, you know, but at the same time, the, although you, sometimes the camera's sort of finding shots, there's mm-hmm. also these beautiful sequences like when your brother's dancing, which are, um, they're quite specific, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're not, it's like, oh, this is a filmmaker sort of focusing on something specifically right. as part of the story. Can you, can you, and not, not in a bad way at all. Like, so can you just sort of talk about that relationship as co-directors yeah. between you and your DP, you just well, it, it, it was def- it was definitely the most collaborative thing I think that I've mm. ever done because even though yes we're directing um, because it's our ultimately it's we've got the film in our heads mm. and people are going to come to us and say well what do you want me to do mm-hmm. but short of that it was really I mean at any moment anyone was kind of directing on their own you know or all kind of directing at the same time mm. um, I remember that that dance scene that you're when he's by by the lake was one of those things where as it was written he was was, supposed to take place in the living room supposed to take place in the living room and he was going to kind of shove like the couches out of the way and dance and hannah kind of rounds a corner and sees him there and watches him and i just think for whatever reason we got to the space because obviously we hadn't location scouted that cabin we Mm. we got there we're like yeah okay it's probably not going to work as well um the sun was going down we had like i think maybe 10 minutes left and Anton kind of saw outside and said, let's go there right now. And Connor was like, yep, I want to dance right in front of that beautiful pond. Yeah. And mm. Connor was just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. We, we had not talked through what dance he was going to do. He hadn't shown us. Um, he had hurt his ankle uh, before he came on the shoot. Mm-hmm. So basically we were told that he wouldn't be able to do the dance stuff and he'd have to come back in five months time. So we already knew that, yeah. And but that was the more intense risk. dance and stuff, like like the ballet scene the at ballet the end yeah. when when he, he's kind of spinning a lot. But he he was like, just trust me, I'll just do something where I'm kind of standing on on two feet, and it'll be like a little more modern dance, but you'll still see that I can dance. And yeah. I was like, absolutely not. You're not doing <laughs> right. that. I'm not and risking your ballet career so that you can get me a good shot. But that, secretly, yes, please do like, it. That <laughs> that led right up to the point of Anton just being like, we don't have time for this conversation. Let's go, go, go. And it was so it was just kind of like, great, go. And I, we were just kind of following them mm. and just watching what they, and, and, and maybe there was a momentary discussion of like, Hey, do you want this shot or this shot, that shot, boom, let's go. And that whole thing got shot in like eight, eight minutes. It was totally it, improvised. It, yeah, it, wow. It's like, sometimes I, I, I think 
I'd like to see Dream be like, yeah, that that was all kind of uh, uh, preconceived, preconceived uh, yeah, stroke right. of genius, but it's not at all. It's not like that at all. It it, it really. But you guys were allowing just, an environment. We were allowing for that it to, to happen. Yeah. yeah, which I guess ultimately was that's the, the biggest genius. choice. Well, yeah. I don't know if sure. it's genius, but it, <laughs> oh. prob- it, pro- it probably was the best thing that we did was just to allow those kind of happy accidents mm. to happen. Mm. Um, and that's what makes it our, so fun. Kind mm. of with our fingers crossed behind our back that it would all go well. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> which i guess is a summation of the whole experience I, all, all the best artists i'm not saying that we're in the same echelon as my idols but they all say like that their happiest moments happen when they're not trying to control a situation yeah. or when they've made a mistake that's turned into something that's launched their career right the which, happy which is which is quite kind of funny because i i think film filmmakers by nature are control freaks to to a degree yeah and and the medium has become so (laughs) so visual to the point where i think that the acting and the storytelling seems to um taking a back seat yeah which is not fun yeah like i've talked about this before uh other people but it, it seems that sometimes in australia that like the people who are able to have a filmmaking career often are in commercials or yep. corporate films and yep. all that sort of stuff. And um, the technical aspect of filmmaking is, you know, sometimes directors can just become technicians mm-hmm. more than artists and, and mm-hmm. storytellers. So I think that's why your film feels like such a breath of fresh air because you can really see a artistic directorial style in the piece, which isn't just like, you know, pretty right. lens flares or, or, right. or whatever you know you can imagine from thank you any commercial yeah, yeah. You. once again thank you That's i think awesome. it was i think it was just knowing that it was going to be rough and just instead of trying to fight that yeah. embracing it em- completely em- embracing it and and starting to look at references and being like look how cool that film is it's totally rough like yeah. fa- faces like, is so john cassavetes faces all, all like his so stuff rough I mean, he, he, it's he hard was to doing, watch yeah he was doing and, this back in like 58 like his mm. first film shadows and it just seems to have gone away to an extent and maybe it's come back a little bit mm. more in like a niche market, but um, it's not new stuff. Like, I mean, he was passing the camera around between takes to like his cast members. Like it was totally rough and, and, and he was doing that on film. And like Miranda for sure. July, yeah. for instance, she's one of my favorites of mm-hmm. all time because her stuff is so lo-fi, but mm. the storytelling, she only made a couple of films, but the storytelling is so, so great. Mm because she hasn't put this emphasis on the way it looks. And for me, that's a far more engaging film to watch than, you know, the next $5 million or whatever film that's coming out at Sundance. Yeah. Well, they're character-based things. It's just saying... It, I guess it's, I have a preference for that because of it, the acting yeah. background. But. It's, it's less plot and just more kind of character and, and, and story uh, as, as, as driven by the relationships of those characters. Mm. Um, but I think that yeah. there there is an audience for that because there will naturally be a rejection for those huge budget Tempo, films. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think that that's always the case. Well, because there's only so many stories. Like, what, what do they say? There's like seven s- stories in films. And yeah. It's always like a kind of version of the same thing. Variations on Shakespeare's plays. <laughs> and, and so the only way that you kind of divert that is go, well, let's come up with people instead, with uh, characters. Yeah. And let's let them create... The, the, their own story or let's let them dictate to us what the story is going to be or let's make something feel far you know? more real than we've ever seen before that, like that makes you uncomfortable yeah. yeah and shoot it in a way that is incredibly uncomfortable yeah. but has natural consequences in real life and and, and i think yeah. like like even watching your film there's moments like that where it just feels so real like and I it was, is y- yeah and like 
spoilers, but uh, you know, like the the scene where you're um, uh, proposing and Hannah's right. on a on well, that's in the bathroom. Not real. Obviously, that's not real, but I think there's <laughs> well, so much based on some some true things. I would say our our relationship. So, but, I, but I think the the, yeah. the film has been it's so honest that you get to this point and you're absolute like the whole audience you know in event cinemas was like oh my gosh like you know <laughs> not now yeah it was that was such a great scene oh, so i guess so finally just touching on the in terms of direction and stuff came you know in the um q a afterwards you had mentioned that some of the scenes were like well this is you know this is what's going to happen in the scene mm-hmm. um and what, what was the name of the the other chick who was your producer as well Catherine. Catherine, Catherine. yeah so you sort of had all this stuff bottled up that you were going to say to Catherine and she right. had said you know whatever you do don't touch on these things but let's go for it and and this will be the scene and they were the things you touched on I mean um you know I imagine that would be pretty tricky to have an environment where you know that happens halfway through the film but yeah. you were, trust each other enough that the film you know you still keep yeah. filming and that that happened a few times but mm. it's not it, it was confusing because it, it would be like I don't want you to talk about these things but then it would also be like but push me there. So yeah, we would, right. we were treading the line but very carefully. It wasn't just with one person. I mean, it was all of us. It, it was just an attempt to like, I, I, I didn't really think about it all that much. Like, mm. I mean, I, I knew, I knew that I had some kind of cards up my sleeve that would get the desired reactions, but also I didn't know what those reactions would be. Mm. I mean, to her credit, she, she could have, uh, have cut, cut the take and stood up and said, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I told you not but to do that. But she stayed present in the scene. She stuck in it. She stayed present, which is, which is why she's a good actor. Yeah. And Connor, I think, came at it from a different way. Connor was like, I don't know what's going on. I've never done this before. But I'm happy so to do everything. I'm, I'm just assuming that if you give me something, I'm just giving it back and you'll tell me if it's too much or not enough. Yeah, yeah. So he was kind of flying by like the Simmons fans maybe. But but um, in terms of, yeah, like I just think we, we really didn't have a lot of time. It wasn't the kind of thing where I'm sitting in an armchair the night before with like a kind of cigarette and a glass going, ah, I'm twirling my moustache and planning how I'm going to get it. It was like, shit, are we ready for tomorrow? Okay, no. Um, like, what do we need to do? Boom, boom, boom. We go to sleep. We get a few hours. We wake Sorry. up. Um, and then and then it would be like, okay, we're ready to shoot this thing. We've got <laughs> half an hour. Um, I kind of was talking to Anton, like setting up the camera. And then I just jump in front of the camera and we'd be like, let's roll. And then I'd be like, oh shit. I haven't really thought of what I'm going to do as a performer, but it was too late at that point. So it was the way- rolling. And so I just kind of said what I thought, like maybe there was a little bit of internal kind of thought that had been planted there from in, in prep, yeah. but it was really flying in the moment and just, if in doubt, I just diverted back to how I would normally be mm-hmm. and, and how I would treat a person in real life. I, it wasn't, I wasn't really thinking of what I was going to say all that much. Which was, I think, what we set up. Yeah. That in that in that space, in in that kind of arena, um, we were playing ourselves, and we were playing that real relationship that we had with that person. Mm. And so nothing was really going to be a bad move or a false note as long as it was real. Mm-hmm. And so I would defer to what I would say in real life, and and whether that was good or bad. Uh, sometimes we had a chance to do it again, but rarely. And that's just what we ended up with. Mm. So the, I, the kind of know. chemistry between us would be like we had the outline. Mm-hmm. We'd know after one day that we'd have to shoot a certain amount of scenes, and then we would wake up. We would do that, and so Kane would be talking to Andrew because he knows all the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I would be saying to the, you know right before we shoot the scene, okay, this is what the scene is. These are the goals that we need to hit. Mm-hmm. This is the trajectory of the scene. Let's see how we go, and then we'd shoot it. 
And often, I mean, most of the takes of the film were just one take and that's what we lived with, but we'd shoot for half yeah. an hour. Yeah, and, and, and trying to direct within the scene, like sometimes she'd tap me when she wanted me to, like she'd come up to me just just before we shot and said, look, at some point, um, if you don't get there on your own, I, I'm, I, I want you to kind of slam the table because that might have not been something that I really would have done. And so maybe she's tapping me and I'm not there yet, so I'm just kind of... You can like, see no. me doing that in and the take. You see really? me right. judging him. So wow. there's, de there's definitely that kind of... Um, yeah like almost like people kind of uh in like a basketball team or like 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 a little huddle and then going out and playing and and kind of adjusting and and looking at each other during the scene and kind of knowing that we needed to get her a little more there or him a little more there and we when we um, watch the film we can see where we're directing each other and you know the four yeah, of us yeah. moments. but you may not see that not at all no right so that's kind and of and we kind of stole that from the Duplass brothers because yeah. i remember mark Duplass saying that that's what he would do mm. Yeah. In a scene where, you know, he's directing and, or his brother's directing him and he's playing, you know, the character they've invented and um, they're kind of like poking directing each other. Inside the yeah, scene. inside yeah. the scene, which is a really fun way to work. But I, I don't know if you can do that with anybody. I really think... You really you, have to trust the people. You need that to know them. That, yeah. that and way. that's why, yeah. I mean, they say, go and start making stuff with your mates. Yeah. And then what you do for the next project, the next one is get like... C, D level actors, get B level actors, get yeah. the frustrated guy who's in like... Not level in ter terms of talent, but just in terms of... Exposure. No, but in terms of like their level on Hollywood, yeah. like yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. at the Oscars, they're on Hawaii Five-0 or, yeah. you know, some What's show. What's the guy's name? Something Hercules? A the, what? The guy, he's like, find so-and-so Hercules. Yeah, and yeah. And he's on this crappy TV show, but oh, he... that's yeah. right. Yeah, yes. and put him in and he's got amazing... <laughs> abilities yeah. he's yeah. just being typecast or he's locked into a contract for some years yeah so get make a show with make a film with him or a, t a series with him in his um off time yeah and um that will get you funding or yeah. will get you enough producers or enough exposure because there's already an audience base built into the film yeah the budget is so low that that's enough of a marketable actor exactly to sell to a VOD right. or, exactly or it and they'll the and get everybody work yeah. for free or for minimum mm. yeah. you know for SAG rates yeah. and so that's I mean we're so inspired by that whole movement yeah yeah definitely and that's the way we want to continue working thank you Mark and Jay Duplass <laughs> yeah shout out to the Duplass brothers <laughs> the grandfathers of this film who and probably whoever, don't even know it's, it, yeah. it's out no. <laughs> or in existence yeah Hopefully we'll we'll get it to them one day soon. If 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 they're listening to this little podcast, hey guys, you need to watch. It <laughs> so um, so just briefly, just want to spend five minutes sort of talking about yeah. you know you've shot the film and then you're moving into post. Um, I mean, so and I saw you on Instagram, you're cutting on Final Cut Seven as yeah, well, which is pretty, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's basically just died. Like I, yeah. I tried to open the project file the other day to export this scene for somebody, and and it's like it's just it's spinning. Wheel. It's, it's just spinning, thing yeah. of death. The color wheel. It, it, it's so yes. It's it, time to learn a new program. It's, um, I just <laughs> it's, what, it's what I've cut with for years. It was simple. Yeah. I didn't want to learn anything new for this. Um, it's really yeah that's basically as gorilla as it got was yeah. i don't even have the installation disc anymore for the editing software and yeah, halfway yeah. through i was like if this crashes i'm kind of screwed so i was i was saving it a lot we didn't and have the time that, or money for kane to learn well i knew yeah. someone would have the program if needed but um, we, need, we wanted to cut yeah. it really quickly now it's time to upgrade 
Yeah. This isn't for the audience, but uh, with with Premiere, you can just use the same Final Cut Pro uh, shortcuts. That's what I've heard. It's exactly the same. Okay. So change it's your fine. On, on, yeah, and then I've also heard on Final Cut X or 10. I'm not sure if you don't, can do that. Don't even waste your time. Really? Yeah. Some people have come back around and said it's not as bad as they originally thought. Yeah. Don't no? Yeah. Okay. Premiere. 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 Sorry, audience, for okay. those of you who aren't editors. <laughs> I've got to choose one of the, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, but that's, that's good. Both. I mean, because it, it sort of expresses that thing of like, you know, hell or high water, we're going to make this, this right. film, you know, like With, that. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. I, I can use a five, six, seven year old editing program and still in your one bedroom apartment yeah yeah but seven is so great i just love that program i almost want to find another copy of it out there and just keep using it but the problem is is kind of i think compatibility with and also sound and programs that they're using Mm -hmm. they want to be able to import your project file but um any yells and all that it's a good chance to like learn some new skills and all that stuff yeah exactly i just didn't want to let go of what i learned in film school (laughs) so you know but so you've booted up final cut pro 7 but and as you're cutting that what are you know what are the conversations you guys were having as you're reviewing scenes and and edits and as you said because you weren't reviewing um on the day yeah you know going oh wow like i'm sure there's sort of like little surprises you got in the, the footage that you're like oh wow you got this thing which i didn't even i wasn't even seeing at the time yeah and then i imagine there were some things you're like oh man do we have it like is is this the scene we wanted like can you just talk me through a bit of the process of we were editing? really excited reviewing the footage like okay. it was really fun i yeah. keep saying it was really fun but it genuinely was yeah going it was like you know when you take a bunch of photos on a pentax and then you get it you know done at the studio and then you on pentax on film on film sorry yeah yeah, yeah. 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 digital pentax yeah on yeah sorry on F- film y- and you, you go through the photos and it's been like two months and you're like oh yeah yeah you've forgotten about like the first few shots on your roll so yeah right, right, or that you exactly. went to this particular place or that's what we got to do so it was like it was like open you know opening a a lucky dip prize and, yeah um, also especially kind of funny because it's like oh let's see what your brother is doing in this scene it's your brother man how funny like it wasn't like we were working with actors that we had just cast and didn't really know them. So we, we could see when people were doing their tics and their, yeah. their personality things. So that kind of made it fun. It was like we were watching... It, it, it really did feel like we were watching back home movies from a trip that we did with friends. But was shot on an Alexa, so it yeah, looks yeah, nice. Yeah, like it looks so nice. Looks uh, so good. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so it really was quite simple. It, it, it would be like I would, I would take a 20-minute take Mm. Uh, which was basically the whole scene from beginning to end because that's often how we would work. Yeah. Um, and I would just Chop start cutting out the kind of dud parts, the the air that we didn't need. Uh, I'd get that down to like a five minute scene. We'd look at that scene. Um, and, then, and, and then other times when we did do kind of multiple setups like in the motel room, the pink room, yeah. um, where there's like the girls in the bathroom and then there's us kind of smoking the joint and then there's us trying to do the shoot and then there's like Connor in bed waking up and walking in on us having sex and stuff. There's like multiple kind of scenes within that, yeah. that, that setup, that, that scene, um, that sequence I should say. Yeah. So that was a little more like classic editing, but it really was just working with what I had. And so I guess what I tried to do was just not cut as much as I could if the shot was working. Um, and then conversely, once all the pieces were kind of put together, it was just trying to be as brutal as possible and scratch mm. anything that, that felt like didn't need to be there. That just didn't need to be there. Like we might've had like a hundred minute take that got down to 80. And um, I just knew that I wanted it to be like a short film, mm. uh, not a short film, but like a short feature. Yeah. I just think our attention spans are shrunk. And honestly, if you're, fl- if, if you're flicking through Netflix, for example, uh, and you come across a film with no known actors uh, that you haven't heard much about, 
you're, you're going to watch the trailer and go, that looks kind of cool, whatever. But um, if it's like two oh, and a half it's hours. like 78 minutes. Yeah. Or even 90 minutes is a long time. Yeah, right. I just find if something's like 100 minutes and I'm looking at it being like, I don't know anything about this. Oh, but this film is like 80 minutes. It, it, it's it's weird, but and I, I can't say I'm proud of that because I like to think I'm a film snob who can sit there and watch like a three-hour film. And, mm. But I just think our Not in the style that we shot. Yeah, I mean, maybe if we were doing like a... a historical epic it's pretty hard to do it in 80 minutes but I just think any any more and it feels a little too self-indulgent yeah. I, I think like just get it done it's just a slice of life it's a small film if you can't tell that story in 80 85 minutes then I think there's probably some, something wrong yeah I don't know that might sound so we harsh, would but. like Kate would you know edit all day and then mm. I would come home after work and then all night we would be sitting there yeah. and going what do you think about this? What does this say about the story? And it was mm. just like putting together a puzzle. It was literally like piecing together a puzzle, not knowing what pieces you had. And it was, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed that. It, it was fun. And so what was yeah. the moment for you guys where you're like, we've got something like, because I know editing can be such an arduous process. Once, what was the moment you're like, we did it. Like this is this. I don't think we really ever did. Maybe until the last cut when right. it when it we cut a couple scenes that were sticking in our core a bit, and, and then it was like we oh, it's inserted flowing. the my home videos. Right, we put right. that in, Which and we reshot the. You know, we we done the five minutes. We cut, we totally re- we done the reshoots. Yeah. We sold it all together, and and then we watched it, and we were like, "Yep, this is a film. This has a certain style cool. I haven't seen before. He hasn't seen before." Mm. But even then, I was apprehensive because it was like it's us, and I don't know if anyone is going to be all that interested. And we all in that love the smell of our own shit, don't we? So, like, it, there's that kind of oh yeah, I like this. I watch this, but this is about my life. Yeah, is anybody else going to find this interesting? But I think it's that whole thing that what's the saying that in the specific lies the universal. Like, right. you know, and yeah, it's good. <laughs> I, it's not mine. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like it. you know, I think watching the film, you're like oh, you know. You feel like, uh, you know, your your brother is like, I don't even have a brother, but I'm like, yeah, I totally understand that relationship that you guys have, you know. So, awesome. yeah, it's it doesn't feel navel-gazy or too self-indulgent. Or like, well, I really throwing, loved it. Well, thank God. Like throwing it back to old, old Mark Duplass, mm. um, old, old Uncle Mark, he did say in, in that same speech, um, you're, if you make a film this way, it is going to be a self-indulgent film. Yeah. He said, just accept that. Embrace don't it. fight that. Yeah. Don't 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 feel bad about that because you're working with what you know and only you know mm-hmm. and only you have access to, and that's how you know that no one else is going to make that exact same film because you're not trying to do something outside. Derivative. Mm-hmm. And and if it's if it's self indulgent to those who know you or whatever, fine. But what about the audience that doesn't know you? I mean, that's ultimately who you're making the film for. Yeah. And they don't really know. So so it it just is what it is, and that's that's our world. That's that's the people that we know. That's a slice of our life. And, and I feel like um, there's stuff there that, you know, our generation can really relate to. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Even if it's not like, you know, maybe the acting isn't the best of times or maybe the shot's a little rough. The story, there's there's something to hold on to, mm. which is all I wanted going into it. And I love those films as well. Like, you know, there's there's films like uh, Blowout, for example, this Antonioni film. Yeah. Where it's like, it's so specifically a 70s film. And yeah. I'm sure that like, in 50 years time or whatever you guys will watch this film and be like yeah. wow that's what it was like to live in 2016 2017 you know and that's right. that's how our our youth felt you know and i, yeah. I love those films that captured that right. essence as well so and and, and mm. bringing it full circle to what we were originally talking about it's like we don't we 
we're worried in a way of working that way because we've grown up with films from other eras Mm. And so we tend to we we tend to emulate um, because it's it feels less scary than standing exactly. on like a kind of new frontier. Yeah. But we won't know how this period felt until ten plus exactly. years from now, looking back. So all you can really do is is stick to what you know, and 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 if it's honest to you, then then chances are you've done your job, and it's going to be that time capsule thing, and and it's just not too overconceived. You know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, that's basically I think. I don't know. That's kind of what I've what 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 I've taken away from this. Is yeah. Don't don't try and control it. Just make the thing that you, you can make and let let future audiences determine where it. And sits. as wanky as it sounds, allow the actual piece of art that you're making to teach you. Like mm. I know that sounds really it's cerebral. Really I'm going to be thinking about that one on the on the right hand. But really, the the film was while we were making it. It, it was. I don't know. I felt like it was controlling us sometimes more than we were controlling. Well, because we put ourselves in that scenario (laughs) where where we're dealing with our own relationships and giving each other a lot of shit and there's ramifications for that. And so, yes, I I think I know what you mean. We learned a tremendous amount from working that way, but it's also not like the easiest way to work, Mm. but everybody should go and try it. So Mm. do it. Don't do it, but do it. (laughs) Don't do it unless you really want to do it. If you really want to do it, if you're a masochist, this is the perfect way to work, is, essentially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So we've only got a couple of minutes left, but um, just before we wrap up, just tell me a bit about how like how it felt being at that screening and event cinemas and, yeah. and seeing it up on the big screen. And like I know, as you said, you're editing in a one-bedroom apartment and, and sort of doing all these reviews between the two of you, but boom, it's on like a VMAX screen, mm-hmm. friends, family. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that, that feel? Although you probably, as you mentioned, you were a little, little bit drunk. Yeah, we were, we were trying Whoa. to. I mean, I was we really did. crabby that day because mm. I was realizing that people I haven't seen for three years. Um, this I was is how they're catching up with you. Yeah. All at once. Yeah. And they're going to see all of my dirty laundry up on screen. Yeah. So that kind of was a bit nerve wracking. But it was also like such a treat to see just our, our piece of art up on such a big screen. Mm. But it's also like... We have so far to go. We have so much work ahead of us. And we both have a really hard time of celebrating the, the little moment. steps along the way. Because yeah, it doesn't definitely. feel like an achievement. I'm sure it looks like an achievement from the outside. Yeah. But at, uh, there's so much work to do. You're thinking like, how am I going to get the word out? And, yeah, and, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking like, like what's, what's the next thing? Yeah. What's the point of any of this if, if, if it doesn't find an audience and can live out there on a platform? And, and, and so on, and until it's distributed, it always feels like you're kind of holding your breath a little bit. Yeah, yeah banging your head against right. the wall, being like, but, is it working? But you, you have to let that go a little bit um, and trust that there are people that will come to kind of help with that process mm-hmm. um, and you have to get to work on the next one and just keep moving forward. It's so important yeah. to be grateful. So yeah. I think we by swigging vodka and sitting on the top of the seats in the back of the theater, I think that was our way of trying to be grateful. For yeah, just moment. kind of sitting in the back row, seeing all the heads kind of there Watching in the people dark react. and hearing the laughs. Or, or Were there laughs in moments where you're like, Oh wow! I didn't think they'd laugh at that. Yeah, all. Like, definitely. Because yeah. we did it a screening with Australians in film like two weeks before or a right. week before we did that screening, and in, in Los Angeles, in LA yeah. at Rally Studios, um, we were very lucky to get that screening in that one sixty seater theater. Um, but the response was completely different mm. because th- that was an Australian audience pr- predominantly, but mixed. Yeah, it yeah. was mixed, yeah, yeah. but you know, Aussies really. Um, yeah. 
and they they responded to it in such a particular beautiful way mm. because they're literally having the same experience of being expats yep. in LA yep. Yep. and there was like we were so blown away by that response because those people are actors struggling actors mm. you know um, dealing with their lives being away from their homes mm. um, so then to have to screen this in front of you know our friends and family people who aren't in the film business it was completely different but also equally rewarding because mm. we're like this feels like more of an honest response because it's from people who don't experience what we've experienced by making this this film so mm. i i thought it was great mm. hearing particularly how that group of people responded to different parts of the film yeah yeah i don't know about no you. i think each each time it's different you know but um, yeah, it was definitely. I I enjoyed it. I think the Q and A is is where is is fun always, you know. And, mm. and and yeah, just 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 hearing the laughs. Just not not knowing if what we were making was, um, I guess, a drama with like a little bit of quirkiness in it. Um, but and then the response from like the what eight screenings or so we've done mm. thus far has been that. Um, there's a lot more laughs than I expected. Uh, and it, yeah. definitely, it definitely feels like a comedy, at least through the first half. Mm. Uh, and then it kind of shifts. And I guess we had talked about kind of hoping it would play that way from yeah. the beginning, saying, hey, like, what if this is kind of funny? And but it like, makes you cry if you fu- connect to it. Funny or... and, and full of anxiety and, and all of the stuff that we loved about like Woody Allen films and things. Yeah. Like, what if it had that in there? Um, but there's just no way to know because you're working your your actors are yourselves and that's kind of a strange thing. <laughs> and so to hear the laughter, I think, is ultimately the most rewarding thing. But um, like it's connecting with people. It's so it's, it's yeah, connecting yeah. And, and yeah, and it's going, Oh, like our our experience isn't just ours, it's it's shared. Mm. And, oh, this um, thing that we've you know. been slaving away over for the past year is connecting to people yeah. and it hasn't yeah. been a complete waste of time. <laughs> it's <laughs> an incredibly yeah, yeah. rewarding feeling. <laughs> yeah. But also we still have a long way to go. But what has been funny is um, you know, Kane's parents and all of <laughs> all of their friends because, you know, because we're playing ourselves, I think it's a little confusing. So yeah. they would be like, "Oh, you is know, everything okay?" Sort of, are yeah. they, do, you know, are they potheads? Like, do, yeah. are they getting married? Are Hannah's parents really dead? And like, hearing his mom the next day having yeah. to call around her friends, being like, "Guys, it's, it's all fictional. Yeah. Like, it's not real." That was the most rewarding thing for me. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at my, Which at, is a little sadistic, yeah. but at my expense. Yeah, at you. Kane's expense. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's the most fun part for me but I'm trying to but it was very funny for me I I prefer walking into like a room of strangers and screening it and just seeing how it plays yeah Yeah. so where can if people are wanting to watch the film where can they connect with you guys and and find out more find out what you're doing next sort of thing well I guess the best thing is to follow us on social media at for now movie yep that's our handle on Instagram Twitter and Facebook we also have our website which is fornowmovie.com and the trailer's there, you know, the reviews are there, all of our press is there, mm-hmm. photos. Up, up and, and you guys screens. are doing a festival run at the moment. We're, we're we're just begun. We're, yeah. yeah, we're kind of still in that whole tra- on that whole train right now. And so um, we're, we're working, still submitting. Yeah, <laughs> we're working with a sales agent right now. That's just started and they will hopefully find some distribution. Um, I, I guess the target or the goal is to try and get distribution in the States first to build a little mm-hmm. more of a kind of... Uh, uh, kind of platform uh, to to release here, um, which is just a strategy. 
And so it may take a little longer to come out here than it does the States, but I'm hoping it's back to back and, and, and at some point in this year it'd be great if it's out, you know? So yeah. that's, that's all TBD at this point. But um, if you keep in touch on social media, you'll yeah. see when the next screen. And there goes. are screenings like we have been doing, we just did a screening at Sydney film school. We're doing <laughs> a screening at UNSW on Monday. I think we're going back to Sydney Film School in August. Um, when does this thing, when are you going to publish this thing? Uh, a couple of weeks. Right. So, okay. Yeah, okay. But check out For Now Movie yeah. on all the social medias yeah. and I'm sure you'll Follow find us. something something soon. Um, all right, guys. I'm feeling pretty good. How are you yeah, feeling? Yeah, that was fun. Good. Yeah. Have we, have we okay. articulated ourselves? Yeah, for sure. A I, bit too much. Please just feel free to edit all of the crap stuff. No, it's great. I <laughs> I was just asking questions that I was genuinely interested in. So okay. it's, it's okay. all interesting for me. Okay, so. cool. cool. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thanks, thanks so guys. much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the very first episode of the Stories Through the Camera podcast. If you want to hear more episodes, don't forget to subscribe so that we appear in your podcast feed as soon as a new episode is released. If you feel like sending some love, you can rate and review us on iTunes or Google Play, and that way more people are likely to find this podcast and we can grow this thing together. Finally, if you haven't already, you can check out our Stories Through the Camera YouTube series where I hang out with different filmmakers and photographers as we shoot on different camera formats. You can go to storiesthroughthecamera.com to watch the first three episodes or just type it into YouTube, whatever you'd like. Okay, see you next time. Thanks for listening.